Good morning, everybody. Good to be able to see each of you folks as we gather on this Tuesday uh, to seek the Lord. Hope you've all had a great Daniel fast and that the Lord has spoke to each of you in a, a very special way. So let's begin today. Why don't we stretch? Uh, and here we go, Mike. Let's just see if it let's see if it if it goes through. Uh, let's just hang on a minute and see if it goes through. If not, I'm going to have to jump over. Okay, one second. Because last time, I think when we paused a moment, it worked. Okay. We got to go over. Yeah, we lost, we lost audio now, so. Yeah. Oh, now you're back, but. Yeah. Okay. There it well, goes. Okay, let's see if it sticks because it got it out of its system last week. Yep. If we get over there. So let's trust the Lord to uh, break through on this thing. Okay, let's, let's take a minute. Let's stretch and uh, loosen ourselves up a little bit. And then let's pray. Father, we just want to come today uh, to be able to seek your face. Lord, to be able to draw close to you. And Lord, we just thank you for your word. We know it's a lamp to our feet. We know it gives us an avenue to, to connect deeply with you. Uh, so Lord, we just ask through your Holy Spirit that you would breathe on the word today. Lord, make it living. Uh, take it off the page, Lord, and allow it to speak into our spirits, your truth. So Father, we want to thank you for it. And we just thank you again uh, for being with each one on the screen. Just to underline that part of scripture that we need to hear today. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Oh, dear. Okay, Mike. Here we go. Okay, I'm going to mute, mute Pastor John, and we're going to do a switcheroo. We tried this uh, off hours. Look, now it's corrected itself, but we're not sure what's going on. But Pastor John has now jumped on Kathy's computer, and uh, we'll get him unmuted. Thanks, Mike. I thought we had it beat. Yeah, so did I. Okay, well, we're going to have to keep on working. I'm going to go get a, uh, a new camera this week and see if that makes a difference. So did you get my prayer or did it zoom out? Uh, it it, it kind of got broken up, but mostly the, the whole thing came through. Okay, hopefully you folks all got the prayer. Okay, so let's read Nehemiah 1 and we'll go from there. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakian, not happen in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, why was it Susa the capital, that Hanai, one of my brothers, and some men from Judah came. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and had survived this captivity and about Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who survived the captivity are in great distress and reproach. And the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are burned with fire. Now it came about when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who preserves the covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. 
Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open to hear the prayer of thy servant, which I am praying before thee now day and night on behalf of the sons of Israel, thy servants, confessing the sins of the sons of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the ordinances, which thou dost command thy servant Moses. Remember the word which I command thy servant Moses, saying, If you're unfaithful, I'll scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though those of you who have been scattered were in the most remote part of heavens, I will gather them from there, I will bring them to the place where I have chosen to cause my name to dwell. And they are thy servants and thy people, whom thou didst redeem by thy great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, may thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant, and the prayer of thy servants who delight to revere thy name, and make thy servant successful today, and grant him compassion before this man. Now I was the cupbearer to the king. Okay. Okay, away we go. So basically, the book of Nehemiah uh, talks about basically God's call that God gave to Nehemiah. And the call was very specific to go back to Jerusalem and to rebuild the walls. I mean, it was so important that that occurred because Jerusalem without walls was open to the attack of enemies and they could be wiped out. So God said, Nehemiah, go back, do that. And also after Nehemiah rebuilt the walls, at that point, he began to give oversight to the people that were within the walls of Jerusalem. He became their governor and he led them. So really what's more important than just the fact that he rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem is he rebuilt the faith of the people. The people have been discouraged. They have been frustrated. Uh, they have been fearful. So Nehemiah built walls around the city, but he also built up the people. So that's the thrust of the book of Nehemiah. <clears throat> so we're, we're focusing today on chapter one. And I believe chapter one can be divided into three specific situations. One would be uh, verses one to three is basically a problem is brought to Nehemiah. Uh, the second part is verse four. Nehemiah actually begins to pray about the problem. And then three, um, the third part would be verses five to 11. Nehemiah's prayer is actually recorded for us. So let's look at this. Uh, let's look at first exactly, okay, what is the problem? So if you look at Nehemiah 1.1, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakian. Now it happened in the month Chislev in the 20th year while I was in Susa, the capital. Okay, so you need to know Susa is the capital of Persia. And Persia had overcome the Babylonians. So, okay, so here he is. Uh, at that point, he says, I'm in Persia, but at then in verse two, it says, then Hanoi, one of my brothers, one of his Jewish people that was back in Jerusalem came there uh, to Persia. Uh, some men from J Judah came and I asked them concerning the Jews how it escaped and had survived the captivity and about Jerusalem. 
So Nehemiah has a concern when he hears, number one, uh, he hears about the people that were freed from captivity. We know Judah was captured by the Babylonians. They fell. And a large, large portion of the Jewish population was exiled out into Babylonia. There was just a handful of the Jewish people, the remnant, that never were exiled. They stayed in Jerusalem. There, so he's talking about, about that group of people that never went into exile. But the, there was a, also a small portion who were released from exile, and they returned back to Judah. So it was kind of a mixed bag of people that had never been exiled and those few that came back. It was that group of people that he was concerned about. So he was concerned about the people, but he's also concerned about the state of Jerusalem, the actual physical place of Jerusalem. And they basically told Nehemiah, here's the issue. Here's what's going on. Verse three, the remnant there in the province who survive the captivity are in great distress and reproach. And the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are burned with fire. So he's saying, Nehemiah, hey, we're facing a major issue here. The people that are in Jerusalem, they're in great distress. They're upset. They're in alarm. They are very much panicking because, again, there's no protection around the city. <clears throat> and that means at any point an enemy could come <clears throat> excuse me, and bulldoze them down. So they're in great distress and reproach. Uh, the idea of reproach is basically they were ashamed, they were disgraced, they were looked down on. I mean, who are we? We don't. We we're not even strong enough to to build a wall around our city. So they're in distress. They're in reproach. Uh, the walls we, we're told were broken down, uh, and that happened uh, when the Babylonians came in and they conquered the people of Judah. They basically did that. They broke the walls down. They burned the gates. Uh, they really did a number to the whole part of Jerusalem. So at this point, uh, the news is shared with Nehemiah. Now look what happens when Nehemiah hears this news. Look at verse 4. Now it came about when I heard these words, I sat down. And I wept and I mourned for days and I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So he said, when I heard the news, I sat down. I, the way I say it is <clears throat> the, the wind literally was knocked out of him. If you've ever had that experience in some kind of a physical sport or whatever, it's just like, <sighs> it's like I'm overwhelmed. So I think he sits down and at that point he begins to weep. Now that's saying something, you know, guys are not good at weeping many times. We kind of hold our feelings in sometimes and repress them. But Nehemiah is so, so, so upset and disturbed, he begins to weep. And not only does he weep, it says he begins to mourn. It's just like he's overwhelmed by this sense of loss. He said, and he mourned for days. This wasn't just a quick, oh, well, no big deal. You know, I'll have a quick cry. It's done over. No. You got to get into his skin and feel what he felt. He he's overwhelmed at this point with the fact that the walls are not there, the people are are, are thrown in the towel, and and he is very much affected. He weeps, he mourns, and it says he did it for days. So this is a, a deep thing that has affected him. 
And he said, I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So again, uh, when we talked about this idea of fasting uh, and praying, uh, what he's saying is he prayed deeply. This was not a casual prayer. This wasn't a quick prayer that he just whipped out. Uh, it was something that hit him very deeply in his heart. And he fasted and he says, God, I've got to hear from you. Lord, what, what, what is my part? What am I to do now that I have this information? And God, not only uh, am I asking you to hear and, and give me clarity, Lord, do something about this situation. In some way, if I can help, let me be used. So prayer and fasting, again, means that I mean business. I mean business at this point. So um, at this point, I, I've got to ask this question. I, I began, when I was looking at this, I had to ask this of me, and, and I'll ask this question of you, and bring it from Nehemiah back there and bring it today. And here's the question. Are you and I able to empathize with the pain of other people? Are you and I able to empathize, to have compassion for other people, or are we so <clears throat> occupied with our own lives, occupied with our own problems that in a sense, we say that that's not my business. I, I got to just deal with me. I let alone, how can I deal with anybody else? Uh, and I think, you know, we do need to restore our souls and get our needs met. But I really believe that as Christians, we're called to empathize, to feel other people's pain. I think that was one of the major aspects of Jesus' ministry. So often it's said that he was moved with compassion. His heart was touched. When he saw pain, he had an instinct to love and care and be concerned about that situation. And I believe God is calling us as his church to have empathy, to have compassion on those that are around us. And friends, there is so much pain around us. If we're anywhere in tune with what's going on with our youth, they are being majorly disturbed by sexual preferences. Who am I? They're confused like no other generation I know has been confused. We hear of bullying uh, that's going on in our youth that's, that is very, very dangerous. And Kathy and I just within the last week have heard, not personally, but people that are in this vicinity, that there are three youth that have committed suicide. Our youth are in a major, major dilemma. And we're called to do something about it. Uh, there's other issues going on, marriage issues. Obviously, uh, Kathy and I have seen different things are going there. People are being pressured in their marriage. There's financial squeezes with all the rising costs of groceries. Uh, there's health issues. Uh, and it's. And I think most of us, this is affecting us either in our immediate family, it could be our relatives, our friends, uh, but there are people around us that are dealing with the issues that I've just mentioned. Not uh, to mention the pain in our nation. Uh, from what we're seeing now, it seems that almost we're having one mass shooting a day. Can you think anywhere in our recent history where this kind of a dilemma is happening? Mass shootings, literally mass shootings, almost on a daily basis. And think about international pain. We have the pain of the Ukraine. Uh, just seeing a people being battered and bombed and battered and bombed unjustly. 
So the question is, do we just blow off these problems and say, well, you know, that's other people's situation. That's their concern. Or do, or do we take it hard? Do we take it to heart? Do we do something about it? What I see in Nehemiah is he felt the pain of his brothers and sisters. He felt them. He entered into their experience. Here he is way over in Persia, and he could say, well, that's their issue back there. But no, no. He said, no, they're my brethren. These are my relatives. And he does something about it. And what we see, what he does, is he prays. And, you know, we can do a lot of things about social injustices and whatever, but I believe the most important thing we can ever do in any situation is first bring it to the Lord in prayer. We can take action, but if we're doing it not just human strength and our own human wisdom and our own human abilities, it's not going to have the impact nearly as much as if we contact God in prayer and ask God's spirit to be in the middle of the pain that we're encountering. So basically, uh, I see Nehemiah saying, I am deeply concerned. I'm fasting. And God, I'm asking for a breakthrough. And I'm asking you to move. And I really think when we look at prayer, I think probably the thing that I'm seeing recently in my own life is that we need to be praying in faith. Believing that when we pray, that God's going to do something about a situation. And I think where I've wrestled over the years, and maybe you have too, is when we pray and we don't see a result. And we pray and some weeks go on, some months go on. And in many cases, years go on. Uh, I think I've mentioned in some other soaps to pray for unsaved loved ones. I have three kids. Two of them have made a commitment. One has not. And I've been praying 43 years for that person. And I know the devil says to me, and I'm sure he says it to you sometimes, when the time goes and you don't see a change, that he's saying, oh, what's prayer mean? Nothing's happening. Prayer is worthless. Why even bother praying? Look, look, the years have gone by. And I think we need to realize that we need to continue to pray in faith and believe. I may not all understand all the dynamics of prayer, but I need to remind myself that when I pray, God is at work. And God's doing something in the situation. I may not see it. I may not fully understand it at a given point, but I need to pray. And I think that's where Nehemiah was. He said, I've got to pray. I know when I pray, God's going to do something in a situation. And basically, uh, when he does that, he begins to actually, as we look at the next part, uh, he begins to pray. Look at verse 5. And I, Nehemiah, said, I beseech thee, Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who preserves the covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. I beseech thee. Uh, when he says beseech, that is a, a word that comes from the guts. It means I earnestly am concerned and want you, Lord, to be involved in this given situation. I beseech thee. I'm not playing games, God. I mean business. Lord, be in the middle of this situation. And what I think is so important is notice who he addresses. And I said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven. So first thing, and notice, and I think this is something that, again, is so important in prayer. So often we can run to God with our petitions. Boom, 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 like a machine gun. God, do, 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 do this. 
And we don't even take time first to remember who am I talking to? So it's so important before we get into the petitions and this, we need to take time, be still and remind ourselves who we are talking to. And he says this, uh, he says, oh Lord God of heaven. So I think what he's saying, I got to remember when I pray that I'm coming before a God who made the heavens, who made the earth and made absolutely everything in it. We serve an unbelievably big God who's bigger than any situation we face. So I don't know what you're facing today. I'm sure there's some folk on the screen that are battling some pretty heavy duty deal. Uh, and at this point, we need to remind ourselves that God that we're talking to made the heavens and the earth. And folks, if he made the heavens and the earth and everything else, he's able to handle your problem. He's able to handle mine. And he goes on a little further. Oh, Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God. And I can almost think of Nehemiah saying, God, you are so big, so awesome. You're the great I am that spoke to Moses at the burning bush. God, you're the God who opened up the Red Sea. You're the God that did wonders as we walked through the wilderness and gave us food and water, who guided us with a pillar of fire. So I believe Nehemiah is reminding himself as he prays. He's not praying to some little God. He's praying to a big God who can do something about his situation. I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who preserves the covenant and loving kindness. And I think, okay, uh, I think he would go a little bit further and he says, who keeps the covenant. Uh, there's a covenant that God made with Israel. Basically, um, it's a covenant that God said that, you know, if you, do what I ask you to do, then I can do great things for you. On the other hand, if you don't, then there'll be consequences. But notice, uh, let me just give you some of the covenant. God said this, Deuteronomy chapter 28. Let me read you just a bit of it here. 28, 1. Now it shall be, if you will diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments, which I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the Lord. And then he begins to lay this out. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the offspring of your body and the produce of your ground and the offspring of your beasts. Blessed shall you be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall be you when you come in and blessed you be when you go out. And then I could go more and more, but then on uh, 28 of Deuteronomy and verse 13, he says this, and the Lord will make you the head, not the tail. You shall not uh, only be above, you shall never be underneath. If you'll listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, which I charge you today. So basically, God said, if you walk with me, I'm going to bless you. But if you turn away from me, then you're going to face consequences. And it's not going to be a good situation for you. So he basically reminds himself. God, you preserve the covenant. If we walk with you, you're going to deal with our hard situation. And then what I like here uh, on verse six, this really is something God's teaching me, and I hope it means something to you, is as he's praying, he's addressing he, God. You're the one that you made the heaven. You're an awesome, great God. He goes on to say, you preserve your covenant. And then he says this, look at six. Let thine ear be now attentive. And the eyes open to hear the prayer of thy servant. 
which I'm praying before thee now day and night on behalf of the sons of Israel, thy servants. When we pray, here's another deal. Start and remember you're talking to a big God, a big God who's bigger than your situation, than your problem. But notice this. Let thine eye now basically hear and uh, thine eyes see. So what I'm trying to remind myself that when I'm praying, and I have a spot in the living room, I sit in a chair, I know, number one, that God sees me. He knows when I'm sitting in that chair. He literally sees me in the chair, and he sees me praying. But not only does he see me, he hears the, the words that are coming out of my mouth. In other words, I think what I think we need to remind ourselves is we're on God's GPS. So when we're praying, when you're praying, God sees where you are. He knows exactly where you are. Not only does he see you, but he's hearing every word you pray. And I think that's what Nehemiah is, again, reminding him, Lord, I know you're big. I know you see me. I know you're hearing my prayer. And he says, Lord, I'm not. I'm not playing games. I'm praying day and night. So he's been praying, he said, days. He's been fasting. But again, he wants this prayer so deeply. And again, that's one of the keys to prayer, I believe, is meaning business. And he said, I'm praying day and night, day and night. I mean, this is a big deal. And that reminds me, I think of Jesus. Uh, if you look at Matthew 7, uh, Jesus talked about that idea of really intense kind of prayer. Listen to this, Matthew 7, 7. Jesus said, ask and what? It shall be given to you. And then he goes and he notches it up. Not only ask, he says, but then seek. Seek and you'll find. And then he says, you know, if asking and seeking doesn't get the job done, knock. Knock, knock. Uh, and it'll be open to you. For everybody who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it shall be opened. So. I think Nehemiah is realizing that he is going to pray, and he's praying with determination, uh, with passion, and he believes that when he's praying, it's going to make some kind of a difference. And notice, he's done all that, uh, but then, as it goes on, the next thing he says is that he confesses sin. Um, Okay, confessing, this is verse 6, the sins of the sons of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. I and my father's house have sinned. We've acted very corruptly against thee. We have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the ordinances, which thou dost command thy servant Moses. So basically, he's saying, God, God, we've messed up. We've blown it. We're asking you, Lord, to come into the situation, but we can't ask you to do that unless we first repent unless we first own up to our sin and confess our sin and ask you, Lord, to forgive us. Uh, it's so important when we pray. We need to come with a pure heart. We need to come with a conscience that's clear and it's not condemning us. Only then can we come boldly to the throne of grace when we know it's all right between the Lord and us. Uh, we can't dilly-dally with sin if we expect our prayers to be answered. Let me give you this many verses on this, but let me give you one. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. So it says this, Behold, the Lord's hand is not short, that it cannot save. Neither is his ear so dull that it cannot hear. Here, get this, verse 2. But your iniquities 
have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Meaning, he's saying, if you're praying with sin in your life, it's not going to go anywhere. You've got to deal with it. And I think that's that's saying something to us today. We got to deal. There's a block in our life. And we know our conscience has been saying, hey, you got to deal with this issue. You got to give this up or you need to do this. We can't boldly pray because our conscience will condemn us. And we just don't have the faith because we know it isn't right between us and our maker. So basically, at that point, Nehemiah realizes that they've got to repent before he can ask God to really come into the situation and change it. Look at verse 8 and 9. After he's done that preparation and prayer, now he begins to say, God, I want to bring a promise to you. And in a sense, I'm holding you to your word, Lord. You've said this, and I'm asking you to fulfill on your promise. Look at the promise. Eight, remember the word which thou didst command thy servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I'll scatter you among the peoples. But, there's the big word, but if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, Though those of you who have been scattered were in the most remote part of the heavens, I'll gather them from there and will bring them to the place where I have chosen to cause my name to dwell. So basically what he's doing there uh, is he's saying, God, I'm, I'm asking you to fulfill your word. And you said, Lord, in your word, if we repent and turn back to you, you will bring this back in relationship to you and we will experience your blessing again. Uh, let me give you um, just a couple of quick scriptures here, two of them, uh, to back up what I believe Nehemiah is lifting to God. And that's in Deuteronomy chapter four, verse 27. <clears throat> and this is what the Lord basically said. And the Lord will scatter you among the peoples and you shall be left few in number among the nations where the Lord shall drive you. And there you'll serve the gods, the work of man's hands, wood and stone, which neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. So he's talking literally about it could be the people in Babylon at that point. But from there, you will seek the Lord your God and you'll find him if you search for him with all of your heart and all your soul. When you are in distress, haha, guess what? That's exactly what's happening. When you're in distress and all these things have come upon you in the latter days, you'll return to the Lord your God and listen to his voice. For the Lord your God is a compassionate God. He will not fail you nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant with your fathers, which he swore to them. And one other one uh, is in Deuteronomy 30, 1 to 5. Kind of same thing, he says this, listen. So it shall be when all these things have come upon you, the blessing and the curse, which I have set before you, and you call them to mind in all the nations where the Lord your God has banished you. Yeah, okay, they're banished over in Babylon. And you return to the Lord your God and obey him with notice all your heart and soul, according to all that I command you today, you and your sons. Then the Lord your God will restore you from captivity. He'll have compassion on you and will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. If your outcasts are at the ends of the earth, from there, the Lord your God will gather you, and from there, he will bring you back. And the Lord your God will bring you into the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it, and he will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. 
Nehemiah is saying, hey, God, you've said in your word, and I could just see Nehemiah saying, God, here it is. I could see him literally holding up the Bible, what they would have had, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Uh, and I think he would have said, God, here it is. You said in your word that if we repent, if we turn around, then you're going to restore us back into a relationship with you. And when you do, you'll actually bring us from where we've been scattered back to our homeland. So he's literally pleading at that point the promises of God. And he says, basically, that it's not just him that's praying this kind of prayer. Look at 10. And they are thy servants and thy people whom thou dost redeem by thy strong power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, may thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and the prayer of thy servants. So he says, God, it's just not me. I know there's other people that are praying and also asking you to restore us and to remember your loving kindness to us. And he's, he's saying, basically, uh, God, I mean this from my heart. Look at the way he prayed again, as he said in 11. Oh, Lord, I beseech thee. I beseech thee. Uh, I beseech thee. The people beseech thee. God, help us. And he says, who these people are, who delight to revere thy name. So he says, my, my people are turning, God. I'm turning. We want to delight to revere your name. We want to respect you. You're a holy God. We want to obey you. We want to love you. Lord, we are coming back to you. Please, God, intervene. Do something about our distress. And he says here, as he closes the prayer, make thy servants successful today. Oh, God, give me compassion before the Persian leader. Now, I was the cupbearer to the king. So Nehemiah is basically saying, God, use me, Lord. Help me make a difference about this situation. And guess what? The Persian king hears Nehemiah. He sees Nehemiah is dead, dead sincere. He sees the need. He sees the compassion of Nehemiah. He gives Nehemiah literally the ability then to go back to Jerusalem. And when Nehemiah, it's a great, amazing book as you read it. He goes back to Jerusalem. Uh, he motivates the people. They build the walls. They restore the gates. They put a protection around Jerusalem. He begins to bring some kind of order as the governor of Jerusalem. And he revives them. He breathes life into them. People that were so, so downtrodden and so distressed. God heard his prayer and God answered it. So kind of wrapping up here. Um, what I would just say is this, is, is prayer. I think prayer is where it is. We have to do things, absolutely. We can't just pray and just sit in our little closet and do nothing. We do have to be in the world. We do have to help our family, our, our neighbors, our relatives, our church, our community. Yeah, we have to take action. But before we take action, we need to pray. And we need to realize when we take action, it's backed up not just by human wisdom and backed up by human power, but it's backed up by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. So I would just say as we pray, remember uh, a couple of things. Remember when you pray, remember who you're talking to. Don't just run into prayer and give God uh, a list of what he needs to do. Take time and be still before him.
and realize he's the great almighty God who made the heavens and the earth. He's the one who opened up the Red Sea, and he's the one that can open up the Red Sea in your situation. Take time to remember how big God is. Worship him. That's the setting stage for prayer. And then when you pray, come with a very sincere and heartfelt attitude. Not just whipping out a quick prayer, uh, a casual prayer. But if you pray, mean something about it. Be sincere. Be heartfelt. And if we're really heartfelt, we're going to deal with issues in our life that may be sinful. If we really say, God, I want you to intervene, then we got to make sure our act is straight and that we have dealt with sin in our life and we've removed it. So remember who we're talking to. Come with a heartfelt, sincere prayer that's turned from sin. And then we can go to God and we can remind God of some of the promises he's made in the word that apply to our situation. You may feel like, man, life is so messed up and hard. Maybe somebody here today is just downtrodden, almost like the people in Jerusalem. Just like life is tough. Where's the hope? Uh, I, I see no light. It's all darkness. Then we can come and say, God, I'm going to hold you to your promises, to your word. And you could quote to yourself and to the Lord, Psalm 121, 1 and 2. I lift my eyes to the hills. From whence does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. We can say, Lord, I know you've said in your word, no matter what, you'll be my help. I think you can say when you're running short of whatever you feel you need, uh, that you can quote back to God. Philippians 4, 19, and say, God, you said in your word, you would supply all my need according to your riches in Christ Jesus. Lord, you've said it, and I'm counting on your promises. I think what you could do when you're going through the ringer experiences, and life is beating you up good, and it feels like the lights have gone out, and it feels like it's just miserable, that you can go to God and say, God, I'm going to bring to you Romans 8, 28. You said, Lord, if I'm your sincere child, and I'm following you, you said you would bring good out of every single situation. And you can literally take that verse and bring it back to God and say, God, I'm standing on your word, just like Nehemiah. Nehemiah said, I'm going to stand on your word, and we can stand on God's word, lift us promises up, and believe that he's going to come through. So Nehemiah was a man of prayer, and his prayer made all the difference, not just in chapter one. You study the book at different points. When crisis has occurred, first thing Nehemiah did, he turns to God in prayer. God, be in this situation. God, give me wisdom. He was a man of prayer, and I think he sets an amazing model for you and I that we would also be men and women of prayer and that we can change the world and circumstances as we get on our knees and ask Almighty God to intervene. Let's pray. Lord, you know exactly where we are today on this Zoom. Lord, you see us. Every single one, Lord, you see us. I'm sure most of us are sitting. You see us sitting in a chair. And Lord, not only do you see us sitting in the chair, you're hearing, Lord, my prayers, but you're also hearing the prayers of your people. And Lord, whatever is going on today, Lord, I just pray uh, that you would encourage each of us, Lord, some of us may be in a situation like Jerusalem. The walls of our lives seem to be broken down and shattered. 
And we may even feel like giving up, just like those people back there many years ago. But I pray, Lord, that you would encourage each one on the screen that you have a good plan for the life. And no matter how dark it may look, that you want to bring your light into the darkness. So, Lord, just touch each one. Give them what they need, whether it's provision, whether it's wisdom, strength. We know you're the God who can do it all. <clears throat> and, Lord, not only minister to our needs, but, Lord, like Nehemiah, Lord, give us a heart that's tender. Give us a heart that's compassionate, that just empathizes with the people around us. Lord, that we can make a difference in their lives, that we can pray for people uh, and not only pray for them, but actually reach out tangibly to meet their needs. So, Lord, we thank you for giving us that heart. So, Lord, we just thank you for Nehemiah 1 and thank you, Lord, for the lessons you have for each of us. And, Lord, we just pray it boldly in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. May you folks have a great day and uh, keep reading Nehemiah. Great book. Have a good, good day. Amen.